Uh, if you got your Bible this morning, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're not going to waste any time, so we don't have any time to waste. Uh, so if you got your Bible, open it up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. Uh, we've, been in the, we've been taking these first few weeks of uh, 2015 and looking at this word, flourish. Uh, this is a, a word that the Lord uh, gave us back at the, the end of 2014. He's praying and felt like the Lord said uh, that this will be a year uh, for your church individuals, not just for us as a corporate body to flourish, but for you guys specifically, individually, that this would be a year for you to flourish. I say amen to that. Come on, that's good news, not bad news. He said this would be a year for people within the church individually to flourish and, of course, also for us as y'all flourish, then corporately the church will flourish. But that this would be years, uh, a year that, that some of you guys have really been sowing and investing and uh, pouring into maybe your marriage or your kids. And sometimes we do that. We don't, we don't think there's any return on the investment. Have you ever done that before? You think, man, is this really working? But you know, the Bible says that the Word of God is like a seed. And a seed has to be planted. It has to be watered. But different seeds take different amounts of time to do anything. Have you ever planted tomatoes before? You plant tomatoes within like three or four months. Man, it's like tomatoes are everywhere. You're like, if you do it right, like over here, right? <laughs> if you know what you're doing, Mr. Green Thumb... Uh, if you do it right, then you'll have just tomatoes. You're giving tomatoes away. And we like that three-month harvest, don't we? How many of y'all know if you plant an acorn, it ain't going to be three months before you get any acorns? No, it may be seven to ten years before you get any acorns. So that's a different seed that takes a different amount of patience. I planted some uh, citrus trees a couple years ago. You know how many, you know how many citrus uh, little fruit that I've got so far? Two raggedy satsumas. Two little raggedy green satsumas is all I've gotten out of a year and a half of watering and planting and, and trying to get these things to grow. I noticed that my son, Noble Burns, I walked out day before yesterday. If any of y'all see him, you could tell him I told you this. I walked out there and I noticed in my yard, my fig tree was missing. Yeah, that's what I said. Three years, I've been fertilizing and waiting to get a fig off of that tree. But my man got the machete out. Oh, yeah, got the machete out. He said, I thought it was dead. No, sir, it's not dead. So I said, do you see any leaves on any trees out here? Just because it don't have leaves, son, doesn't mean that the tree is dead, son. That tree was not dead. It was very much alive, son. I've been planting. Y'all, okay, I, I was going off on him just a little bit. And you don't come out here with a machete and cut down my fig tree. Three years, I never got one fig. But then the Lord reminded me, he says, well, you know, I spoke to the fig tree that, that wasn't producing any fruit. So maybe I used noble as an instrument of righteousness to come in and, and knock down your fig tree so that it would... And I said, all right, Jesus, I'll lay off on my son, noble. Three years, I've been pouring into that seed that was in the ground, and it had no results. So some of you may have been walking, may have been trying to do some things in your life for several years, and you think that, that it's not just, uh, it's not working. Well, I believe that this will be a year 
that there'll be some harvest for you. So I've spent a couple of weeks trying to get you to expect to flourish in 2015. And then I've spent some weeks telling, talking to you about the conditions to flourish. By definition, the word flourish means to grow in a vigorous and healthy way as the result of a particularly favorable environment. I believe it's the will of God for us to grow in a vigorous and healthy way. But it says that there has to be a particularly favorable environment. In other words, it's not automatic. It's conditional. For us to flourish in 2015, that there'll be some conditions. And this morning, I want to look at uh, uh, the subject of, or I want to talk to you about your ministry. Yes, yes. Your ministry. Some of you have probably never seen yourself or considered uh, your ministry. And if I called you a minister, you would probably think that I was crazy. If I said you have a ministry, you are a minister just as much as I am. Mm. Now, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says that when Jesus ascended upon high, he gave gifts unto men, some prophets, pastors, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. In other words, as Jesus was leaving the planet, he gave to the body of Christ some people that would be prophets, apostles, uh, ministers, evangelists, pastors. He gave gifts to the body of Christ. And the Bible says that that's for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the church, and for the work of of the ministry. So there is a such thing as a pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist. Those are very much absolutely. And you may not be one of those. But that doesn't mean that you aren't a minister. The Bible says all of us have been given a ministry. And we don't all the time see ourselves that way. But how many of y'all know sometimes we see ourselves different than we think that God sees us. I asked Noble. Noble, for those of you who don't know, he's my nine-year-old son. I said, Noble, what do you think I think about you? It's a funny question. You should ask your kids. I said, Noble, what do you think I think about you? You want to know his response? Here it goes. How many of your kids ever give you that? I'm like, no, 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 Noble, Noble, what do you think that I think about you? He says, oh, well, you love me. Well, yeah, of course I love you, yeah, high five. What else? Uh, well, uh, I'm your son. Yeah, well, good job, kudos. Give me another one. And then now we're back to his perception of what he thinks about me is, well, I'm, he, you know, I'm your son and you love me. And sometimes that's how we are with God. We think, well, you know, God thinks about me like, well, uh, you know, that's my son and I love them. But how many of y'all know what I really think about Noble? Oh, how much time you got? I mean, if he, if he really knew what I really think about, I'm thinking... You are all, you can do anything you want to do. The gift of God's in you, the hand of God. You're a champion. You're not a follower. You're a leader. I better not catch you following. You ain't nothing but a leader. I think that he can do whatever, whenever, however. And I'm thinking as long as you stay within these parameters, you keep this right, your heart right, your attitude right, your motives right, there ain't nothing you can't do. That's how I really think about him. But he thinks... Listen, what's the point? 
The same thing is true with God. Sometimes we just think, oh, well, God, you know, he's my dad. You know, he's God and I'm his son and he loves me. But if you could hear what God really thinks about you, he would blow your mind off your shoulders. Because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are, he knows the end from the beginning. He has this plan, this thing for your life. And we just got to figure it out. And if you could find out what does God think about me, one of the things he would tell you is he'd say, I've anointed you to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ across the ends of the earth. And one day you're going to stand before me and give an account for how good of a job you did. Amen. I'll just keep going. I don't care. He sees all of us and he's given all of us a mandate to reach people. And we're talking about flourishing in 2015. But I submit to you, if you really want to flourish in 2015, if you get passionate about what he's passionate about, it's inevitable. If you get compassionate about what Jesus is passionate about, then nothing can stop you. He'll super abundantly take care of every need, want, desire of your life whenever you get passionate about what he's about. Well, what's he passionate about? Well, many times you see Jesus, he would go up on the side of a mountain and the Bible says that he was moved with compassion when he saw the people because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. He would actually get up and he would cry and he would weep because he saw these people, even if they were churchgoers and they were Christians, he just saw them kind of milling around aimlessly, not fulfilling their purpose and that was the compassion or the passion. He said I came to seek and save the lost that's what he's totally passionate about and for us to flourish in 2015 I'm just asking you to lift up your eyes for the white the the harvest is white it's ready for harvest and I'm challenging you this week uh, the two weeks ago I, I, I preached that, that the Holy Spirit wants to guide you but I want you to know this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to use you. And you say, well, I'm a banker. No, your career, your occupation is a banker. But your life is a ministry outflow of Jesus Christ. God's not going to really talk to you about your banking. I mean, I know that's right. What'd you do with your whole life? Well, mortgage rate went down to 475 <laughs> We had a boom. He just said, dear brothers, that was your occupation, but it wasn't your ministry. So this morning, I'm just wanting to, 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 to introduce you to your ministry. Whether you're a cop or an architect or where, whatever your occupation is, it's different. I want you to know that, that you can affect the kingdom of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 this is the New Living Translation starting verse 15. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibility. If you've got a pen, I want you to underline some things in your Bible. You say, I don't write in my Bible. Well, get you one you can. Get you one you can write in. That way, next time you read it, you remember some of these things. Understand we have a fearful responsibility. You can underline responsibility. To who? To the Lord. He says, we work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere, and I hope that you know this too. 
skip down a couple of verses and he says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. This is my favorite part right here. God is making his appeal through us. I love that. Don't you love that? What's appeal mean? God is pleading. How is God pleading? He says, it'll have to come through you. Because God's in heaven. The Bible says Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. He sent the Holy Spirit to move and live on the inside of us as believers. And the appeal of Jesus Christ, the persuasion of the Holy Spirit has to come through vessels. And it can't just be apostles, prophets, preachers, evangelists. Listen, I'm not going to Conoco this week. I won't be there. I won't be at Barb this week. So if, if we wait on just the fivefold ministry gifts to actually reach our worlds, we'll be here forever and I'm ready to go. Jesus said, I'm waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He said, this gospel must be preached and then the end will come. In other words, what Jesus is waiting on before he splits the eastern sky is he's waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting on souls. That's what he's waiting on. He's waiting on people to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says, once the gospel's preached to all men, he said, then the end will come. So I submit to you, I will not be at your workplace any day this week. So he's deputizing and commissioning you today. I'm handing out badges. That's what I'm doing. I mean, Tombstone was on TV last week. How I many of y'all like that one? Oh, man, I'm flipping through the channels. Some of you, you young people, flip through the channels and I land on Tombstone and it comes at the best part. Y'all know the best part, right? I'm your Huckleberry. Johnny Ringo, you look like you just saw a ghost. Y'all remember that end part? Say when. Takes him down. Listen, after, after, after Johnny Ringo gets shot by Doc Holliday, Doc Holliday walks over there and he takes his badge off. He takes his badge off and he puts his badge on, on poor dying Johnny Ringo. Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but you should, you should uh, what is the new thing now? Yeah, <laughs> what's the, the new way of viewing? We used to have Blockbuster. Y'all ain't got Blockbuster anymore. Now you just stream it right to your phone. Yes, Netflix. There you go. He had a badge there. And he got that badge from Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp gave him that badge or Wyatt Earp deputized him to go out and get rid of the bad folks. Now, Doc Holliday was not a perfect person. If you watch the movie, he was not a perfect individual. He had a lot of flaws, a lot of character flaws. But my point is, is for you to reach people and to reach your world and to be effective, you don't have to be a perfect individual. For you to take up the badge or the honor or the cost or the cross of Jesus Christ and to go out and to effectively reach people, God is not expecting you to be perfect. 
God's not looking for perfection. God is handing out badges and he's trying to get people here through this passage and other passages to look up and see, I've called you and I've got something for you to do beyond just your occupation. And if you want to flourish this year or next year or any other year, and particularly if you want to flourish at the end of your life, he says, if you'll take up the calls of Christ, if you'll see, I have a responsibility I have a ministry. I have there, it says, I have a task. If you'll take that task, you say, I'll work hard. I'll persuade men. I'll take this responsibility. Let me say this. He says, you have to be sincere. Let me throw that in there. Because I think sometimes uh, people have to know that you mean it. How many of y'all know what I'm saying? You can't just play church. And you can't play Jesus. If it doesn't come from sincerity, it won't work. Especially in 2014. We're living in a time of a lot of gun-shy people when it comes to Jesus and the cross and the church in particular. So you have to be in love with Jesus Christ with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And out of that sincerity, you can go out and you can effectively persuade men is what he says. But you have to take that task up and you have to say, I'm living for more than just a paycheck. I want to flourish in 2015, not just in my bank account, but I want to flourish in heaven. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it says, He who wins souls is wise. Or it actually says, Amplified says, The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives. For God, as a fisher of men, what did Jesus call his disciples to be? He said, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. In Proverbs, the book of wisdom, he says, if you want to be wise, he says, the person who captures human lives for God as a fisher of men is wise. He gathers, he receives them for eternity. How many of y'all know how long eternity is? I mean, I think it's pretty good. What pretty, pretty good time out there. And he says the work that that I'm assigning you to, the reason that there's wisdom in it, is because it transcends space and time. It lasts way beyond your life. So he says there's wisdom in you giving your life to this cause because it goes way beyond your life itself. But he's three things here. He says, he says, he says, you need to capture people. You need to gather people and you need to receive people. So I want to look at the, if you've got, if you have a worship guide, the first one there, it says you have a ministry. Everybody say, I have a ministry. I'm a preacher, a good one. People ask you, say, what do you do for a living? Say, I'm a minister. Listen, I can tell you, you'll get some interesting looks. They'll spit out their dip or swallow it right there in front of you. It's fun just to say, just because. It's like, oh, what, what, blankety, blank, 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 what are you doing? Oh, my wife, we passed her church. Oh, boy, the Lord is good. <laughs> Doesn't mean you don't have the Lord is good. Me, don't, don't do me any favors. Come on, I mean, just be, be yourself. But you go around and tell people you're a minister, you'll get all kinds of good things happen to you. Just, just weird, random things. They, oh, I'm quitting, I'm quitting smoking. I'm quitting this. I'm quitting that. 
listen, but that should be one of the things that you think about. It's not just, oh, I'm a banker or I'm an electrician or I'm this. No, no, that's what you do, but it's not altogether who you are. Come on, we want to flourish this year, 2015. We are ministers. The second blank there says, you don't have to be perfect. I'm glad you don't have to be perfect. Come on, Doc Holliday wasn't perfect for him to go out and rid the world of these bad things. But he was given a badge and he was given authority to go out and do some things with it. And there's people in the Bible who were very much like that. I mean, y'all know that there's people in the Bible that just weren't perfect. John chapter 4, we have the story of uh, the, the woman at the well. How many of y'all remember that woman? I love, if you look at John 4, 4, the fourth verse of that, that chapter, the Bible says, and Jesus had to go to Samaria. Jesus had to go to Samaria. Well, if you look at where Jesus was at and where he was trying to get to, he geographically didn't need to go to Samaria. In other words, something pulled him off of his course into Samaria for a particular person. What was it that made Jesus go out of his way and come to this city of Samaria? Well, the moment he comes into Samaria, he goes to the well. And y'all remember, there's a woman, and she's drawing water out of the well. And Jesus says, woman, will you give me something to drink? And she says, you're a Jew and a man. You're not supposed to be talking to me, a Samaritan. And Jesus says, woman, if you knew who was asking you for something to drink, you would ask me for something to drink because I'll give you some living water and you will never thirst again. What's that woman say? I'll take some of that. And then she says, she says, she says, let's dish it up. Pour me some right now. And he says, go and call your husband. Boom, boom. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you've spoken truly for you've had five. And the one that you have now is not your husband. And she says, I perceive you to be a prophet. And then all of a sudden, Jesus unloads on her one of the greatest revelations of the New Testament. He says, there's coming a time when true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And he actually tells her, I am the Messiah. He didn't even tell that to his, uh, to his own disciples. But he went out of his way to come to this city to reach a woman who was not perfect by a long shot. Five husbands and is shacking up right now. And he drops on her this great revelation that I am the Messiah. Why would Jesus go to such lengths to reach this woman at the well? Why would he go out of his way? Why would he say all of that? Well, we get the answer. If you look in John chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Now numerous Samaritans from that town believed in and trusted in him because of what the woman said when she declared and testified, He who told me everything that I ever did. King James Version said that she goes out and she says, Come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Did Why did Jesus go out of his way and, and do all of this for someone that was not perfect? Because he knew this woman would take this message out to the ends of the earth. And the Bible says next time he came to Samaria, there was multitudes of people waiting there because of this woman's testimony. This woman, he knew, he says, if I can reach 
that girl that don't have it all together. Not, not, she just, just missed it in a lot of areas. But if I can reach her, he says, I can reach that whole city. What's the point? Listen, for you to flourish in 2015, I want you to know if you get passionate about this message and if you're willing to tell this message, Jesus will rearrange his schedule. He'll go out of his way to meet you anywhere, any place, anytime, and he'll reveal things to you that he hasn't revealed to anybody else. Even some of his closest disciples, he'll reveal things to you. Why? Because this gospel, he wants people to tell the story. He doesn't just want churchgoers. Ouch. He didn't come just so that we could sit. He came so that we could go. One of the last things Jesus said is he's taken off. He's got his Iron Man boots all rocketed up. He's about to lift off. Here we go. One of the last thing he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They'll speak with new tongues. you cast out devils, and if you come in contact with any poisonous or deadly thing, it will not harm you. The last things he says, he says, go, preach the gospel, reach people, and you don't have to be perfect to do it. Not only did he use her, but how I many of y'all remember the madman of Gadara, that crazy guy that lived in the, lived in the graveyard? How I many of y'all know if, if, you're, if you go by a graveyard, a crazy guy living out there, you don't want to go over there. Why? Because he's crazy and he lives in a graveyard. Right? We drive around that block. We, we, don't, we don't go over there. And that if, you, if you've studied, if you look at this, it's fascinating because uh, there was a real famous port there, port uh, at, at the Gadarenes. But they had abandoned that port because this man, when people would get off of the boat, he would torture and torment them. So they had to shut the whole port down because of this crazy guy that would run out of the tombs. The Bible says no man could bind him. He would break fetters of iron. He would cut himself. He would holler. He was totally demon-possessed and crazy. And, and again, the Bible says Jesus set his sails for this abandoned port. Why would Jesus go to an abandoned port to reach a crazy man? Well, because the minute his boat hits the shore, the Bible says that the madman of Gadara ran and worshipped Jesus. All the demons inside that man couldn't keep him from getting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you they fought him every step of the way. But he runs, gets down at the feet of Jesus, begins to worship Jesus. Jesus casts the devils out of him. Boom! And the Bible says that he was found in his right mind and clothed. In other words, he was naked before that. That's another reason why you don't go over there. I don't need to see all that. But they come to him now. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. Jesus is about to get back on the boat. And he begs Jesus. He says, Jesus, please... I want, and I'll read it to you. You'll have to put it. I don't know that it's in there. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. It says, when Jesus got on the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him. But Jesus said to him, go home to your friends. This is Jesus, what Jesus told this man. He says, you go home to your friends and you tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. In other words, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be perfect. I promise you this guy didn't know the Pentateuch or probably didn't even know the Ten Commandments. He didn't need to know everything. His assignment was from Jesus was just go tell your friends what great things that Jesus has done for you. 
the last verse, verse 20, it says, And he departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and had marveled. Decapolis means ten cities. This man left that port. He wanted to go with Jesus, but he took what happened to him and he went and told ten cities. Why would Jesus go out of his way again to reach somebody that is not a, not a Bible scholar? Right? It's not a Bible scholar here. It's not somebody that, that, that writes books on ministry and how to reach people. No, this guy was naked living in a tomb. That's where he lived. He lived in a graveyard. Jesus went totally out of his way. Why? Because he knew. He said, that woman with all them husbands and that crazy man that's been hollering, cutting himself, they'll take my message to the ends of the earth. What's the point again? Listen, if you want to flourish in 2015, if you get passionate about what he's passionate about, he'll rearrange his schedule. He'll visit you whenever he's sailing by everybody else. And it's not because you've got a theology degree. It's not because you went to some seminary. No, it's because you've caught the heart of the Father and you said, I don't have to know everything to tell my coworker, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was broke and he helped me. He taught me how to manage my money and he taught me how to increase. I once was this way and now I'm this way. And you don't have to quit your vocation as a police officer. Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. Matthew was a hated tax collector. Luke was a physician. They had occupations, but their ministry was, I, I've got to tell the story. And he says, it's a responsibility that you will give an account for. Last one. So how do we do it? You have a ministry. You don't have to be perfect to do it. So I want to talk to you just some, just some easy ways for you to reach people. Because maybe you're here and you're like, man, this time last year, I was the walking dead. Living amongst the tombs. I mean, I was, I was a mess. And I just haven't gathered up all the, maybe the resources that I need to effectively reach people. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to have a ton of resources. I'm handing out badges today to anybody that wants one. Jesus Christ gives gifts unto men. And you may not be a pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, or evangelist. But every person in here is an ambassador. We're all called to just reach people and that doesn't mean that you have to be weird please don't be weird god i'm begging you for the sake of the gospel of jesus christ please don't be weird don't go throwing oil on people or nothing like that hiding hankies in their bags and stuff like that listen if you look at matthew chapter 5 matthew chapter 5 jesus christ he said you're the salt of the earth he said, you're the salt of the earth. If you know anything about salt, you know it's an antiseptic. It purifies, it kills infection. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want you to kill infection and disease. Salt's also a preservative. It preserves things. He wants you to preserve your family if it's not the way that it should be. He wants you to preserve your job or preserve your school. He wants you to be salty. Because he says if a salt loses its savor, then it's just like sand that will be trampled underfoot. In other words, for you and I, for us to just lose our salt and not be 
salt and light, he says, then you're basically useless to the kingdom of God. This is red letters. Kind of tough for Jesus to tell you you're useless. <laughs> Could you be a little more gentle, Jesus? Could you go on me easy just a little bit? No, Jesus said, listen, you're the salt of the earth. Be salty. Because if you aren't salty, you're just like sand. And people will trample you underfoot. Then he says, you're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hill. No person lights a candle and then puts it under a bushel or puts it under a basket where nobody can see the light. He says, I've given you the light. Don't hide the light. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Come on, you have a light that's available to anyone who will believe it. He says, you're the city on the hill. You're a light. Don't hide that light. And then the next one, he says, and this is the one in your worship guide, he says, so let your light shine before men that they may see your, what? Good deeds. You notice he didn't say, so that they may hear your preaching. I'll say it one more time. You notice Jesus there, whenever he said, be the light, be the salt, be a city on a hill. He didn't say so that they would hear your preaching. He said, let them see your, what? Good deeds. He says, let them see your good works and give glory to God. In other words, for you to be the light, for you to be the salt, for you to be passionate about reaching people in 2015, it's not just about you knowing everything or preaching everything. No, Jesus said the way that people will know, the most effective way that they'll know is that they'll see your good deeds. You're just good. That's what he wants you to be. He wants you to be good. Isn't that simple? Have you ever told your kids that? Be good. <laughs> be good. I told you to sit down. What do you want? Just, just listen. Just, just, just be good. Be good to people. Listen to the Holy Spirit down on the inside. He'll help you. He'll tell you, buy that woman some donuts. Say, we got $3 in my pocket. Good, because they're two eighty nine. dollars And Lord, he'll have you do unusual good things. Why? Let's say it like this. Good things may not get you into heaven, but they will get you into people's hearts. In other words, sometimes we're trying to be good so that we can go to heaven. God says, listen, you ain't going to make it in that way anyway, bonehead. Because he says, if you could have earned it, then Jesus died in vain. So you can quit trying to be good just so that you can say that you were good. He says, good works won't get you into heaven, but your good works will give you access to people. They'll open their heart. They'll open their lives to you. At the cafeteria table at the checkout, wherever you are, if you'll listen, allow the Holy Spirit, He'll show you how to do good things. And those good things make your light come on. And that light is attractive to people and to bugs. It's attractive. It's attractive to people, but don't think you'll live this way without opposition. Because I can tell you, you won't. There'll be some wasps, some flies, some hornets. Beelzebub will be hot on your tail. Why? Well, because you aren't just allowing the fivefold ministry gifts to do all of the work. 
You're saying, I'll take up my cross, my mantle, my ambassadorship, my responsibility, my task, my work. I'll work hard at persuading others. I'll take that upon myself. And whenever you do that, I'm telling you, Jesus will rearrange his ship to light your candle, but there will be bugs. But you can't be afraid of the bugs. You just zap them. Isn't that what you do? Fry that thing. Even a lizard. Just cook him right there. Y'all get sad? I have one at my house and you're just like, it's usually, and then all of a sudden you're, and you know, either that's a giant bug or a lizard just got caught in there. Wow. Listen, the light of the gospel, it shines bright, but there's, there'll be opposition. You can't be, be, be afraid of, Jesus said, listen, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. They're not all going to like you. You know, I've, I've told people about Jesus and they didn't take it very well. But I've never really bought into anybody something and them hated me. Anytime I've done good things for somebody, whether it's buying something for somebody or texting somebody or sending a scripture to somebody or calling somebody, anytime I've done good deeds, I've had good responses. So I don't think you can go wrong. If, if you're here and you say, I just don't know if I can live this type of life. I don't know if I can be that type of weird Christian. I'm asking you, please don't be that type of weird Christian. But I'm also asking you to let your light so shine before men and through good deeds you can reach and affect your world. And in 2015, you'll flourish, not just because of everything that came to you, but to everything that you sent out of you. Life is different when you live like this. It's just different. Last one I'll give you. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples, all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. Lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Two things I want you to notice there is he says make disciples. He didn't say make converts. And the way that you make disciples is he says you, you'll teach them what you know. You don't have to teach them what I know. Good news is you just teach them what you know. And it can be as simple as the madman of Gadara or the woman with the five husbands. What did she say? Come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. It don't have to be complicated for you to allow the Holy Spirit down on the inside and you say, I want this to be my life for 2015 is I want to go make disciples. The last thing I'll tell you is whenever you do this, I can tell you, I can tell you with 100% certainty, if you want to, to, to find somebody to pour your life into, he'll bring them to you. And I'll tell you this, they'll disappoint you. I've dis discipled and tried to help a lot of addicts that went right back to doing what they used to do. I've tried to help and disciple a lot of people that maybe did good for three months and then they, 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 they went off and maybe I didn't see or hear from them again. But I want to encourage you to stick with people. Stick with them, not just for a month or a week, but how many years did Jesus spend with his disciples before they were ready to be absent of his presence. Three years. Three years. And they were one-on-one -on -one with Jesus on a daily occurrence. He spent three years with those boys 
before they were ready to live on their own. So I'm asking you, whenever the Lord brings you somebody, and, and he, he wants you to uh, invest and partner and stick with them, do it for the long haul. Just say, you know what? Every time I'm reading something, I'm going to text it to them. Every time I'm going to do something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them know. And I promise you, if you'll do it over the course of time, you'll be glad that you did. He'll, the Bible says, we reap what we sow. And I'm looking at you because I know many of you are very hungry for God. And you're like, man, I'm so hungry for God. I'm so hungry for God. I'm so hungry for God. I can tell you the best way to satisfy that hunger is to give. If you'll give out what he's already given you, he'll just keep dumping it on you. He won't stop. Why? Because you reap what you sow. So if you're giving out his presence, you can expect him to increase it in your own life. If you're giving people knowledge and understanding in the word of God, he's going to pour that right back on top of you. So those of you that are like, man, I'm hungry for God. I want more of God. I want more of God. I can't quit reading. I can't. I just want more. I want more. Listen, now is the time for you to start finding someone to give to. Because if not, you'll just get spiritually obese. And we don't want that. If you'll start exercising that and giving it out, It'll be, it'll be a banner year. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Father God, for your uh, instruction from your word that this is not my teaching, that Jesus, you are the head of the church. You're the senior pastor. And I know, Lord, that you are encouraging us to go out and to reach the lost. We thank you so much that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have all the answers or to have memorized everything that we can just follow you and tell what you've done for us. Pray for every person here that you begin, even now, this morning and over the next day or two, to target and show them where they can do good deeds and let their light so shine before men. 